Welcome back to Black, White, and Grease. For everyone listening, thank you for listening. We're going to get into something a little bit more personal to us. Um, here we have Seesh and I Am Speech. I kind of figure for this season, we're going to touch on LGBTQ stuff. And the reason why is that we we took it from L, um, Lil Nas. I'm about to say El Nas. Lil Nas and Narso, <laughs> Montero, and uh, Call Me By Your Name. And now we're trickling down to things that are a little bit more personal. So if you don't know who we are, one of, some of our identities, we're black. And so our perspective is from a black perspective. And so basically what we're going to be talking about is queerness and being black. So let's get started. Now today I went to the chiropractor and my sister actually referred me to this chiropractor and I was so happy. Wait, wait, wait. Before we start on that, y'all need to go to the chiropractor because it is life-changing. I have been, <laughs> I don't think I have ever stood up straight in the past five years <laughs> <laughs> until I went to the chiropractor. Like she did something, cracked my back, cracked my neck, felt like a freaking um like gumby or something, like limp and just noodling. But it was really good. Like if y'all can go to the chiropractor, please go. Do it. Yes, make that a part of your self-care um treatment. Because a lot of times when we focus on self-care, we focus on skin, maybe eating healthy or whatever. But you gotta get it all like holistically just in line yeah. in tune yeah and your spine is so important yeah i didn't realize like no duh but it connects to basically everything else in your body like if you have digestion issues it can help with that it can help with obviously the nervous system um what else can it help with lots of different things lots of different things that the um chiropractor explained and i was like wow she said even with young children, if they get them in and they have allergies when they're young, if you take them to the chiropractor, literally <laughs> their allergies can be resolved. Like there has been many cases of that. So I was just like amazed. <laughs> I really wish I could have went to the chiropractor when I was young because I had bad pollen allergies. So, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, going to the chiropractor is a spiritual experience as well, too. A lot of people who are chiropractors focus on um, the metaphysical things as well, too. Like, it's all just aligned, the, the physical world and the spiritual world, everything. So that's what I heard from chiropractors. Some people get into the alternative uh, medicines as well, too, mm -hmm. along with being a chiropractor. But uh, let's get back on uh, topic. <laughs> I feel like they kind of relate. Because you were at the chiropractor, and yes, there's this other aspect of it where it's healing, but go on, speech, and tell the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I was at the chiropractor. I mentioned that my partner is going to be coming into town, and she frequents the, the chiropractor. I go to Texas sometimes, and going to the chiropractor there... It was a white female. You know, we could just open freely about things, whether or not she believes in uh, our relationship on a moral level. It was irrelevant. It was just us having a conversation as a couple. But 
going to a black chiropractor as a black person, I thought that it was a, it was going to be a good experience because I'm supporting my black brother, my black sister. And a part of being pro-black or having like a black, uh, a, a pro-black life or pro-black lifestyle is giving your economics to other black brothers and sisters, giving your money and spending it in their businesses to keep their livelihood um, afloat. Like you are connected as a community. So going here was a part of my political expression as well, too. A part of my self-love as a black person. I get there and I'm talking about this and I can see that she kind of like makes a face and something tells me that maybe she's uncomfortable at the fact that I said a partner or anything. You know, like I'm just like, okay, I'm not living here just to make other people feel comfortable. This is my life. I'm giving her my money, my income. <laughs> so it's just like, whatever, you know? So when you're going to the chiropractor, a lot of times they're going off of like, you know, what is your stress level? You know, why are you stressed out? What areas should we focus on? And so we were talking about that. Because he asked me again, you know, why are you stressed out? At first, I didn't, I didn't say, I was just like, is this life stuff? Again, she had asked me along the um, the question, the questions that she was doing. Again, why are you stressed out? And how stressful would you say that it is? And so I just said, you know, just casually, it was just like, oh, I'm well, I'm stressed out because, you know, just dealing with my sexuality and my family. My family already went there already. So she knows a great deal of my family. It kind of seemed like an off off record kind of moment. And she sits there. And what I, I noticed that a lot of heterosexuals do is kind of like heterosexual spleen. So it's the same way like of mansplaining where it's just unwarranted advice. And just because you are of a more, I guess, dominant group than I am, you have the need to kind of put the narrative, take my narrative and give unwarranted advice and your uh, your views on things, even though I had an axe for it. What, what a lot of people, what a lot of people of the LGBTQ community uh, talk about is, well, you got to choose, you got to sacrifice between your family. I could tell that you come from a close, close-knit family. You got to sacrifice between you, your lifestyle, which is a cue word right there, or this. You yeah. got to, you got to choose your religious path. That's what a lot of LGBTQ people are told by straight people yes that you got to choose between your family and the love of your family and 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 i guess the lifestyle that you want to choose the love between your your intimate partner and i'm sitting here thinking that i understand from that from the perspective that they're just being they're just giving advice you know it's just like you got to move out you know, you gotta, you gotta go your own religious way and everything without even knowing you. I understand the need for them to give advice because they understand how difficult it is to live as an LGBTQ person plus person and be religious and be black and different things. And this is why they feel the need to give advice. But what they don't understand is because you don't really live it, your advice is, is from a perspective of and I am, you know, this, this lady, she was religious and she was black, you know, she was Christian and she was black. Your perspective is as far as your limitations are. So your identity is wrapped up around a certain level of heteronormativity, right? 
So as a black person, we already know that we got to deal with race. As a black person, we know that we live in this system of, you know, white supremacy and that there's a certain level of limitations that we we have. But people who are heterosexual, because it is the norm, then it's just like anything that is outside of that is considered alternative. And therefore, people, because of their own uncomfortability, they don't really know how to see outside of that. And especially in the Black community, there's a certain level of homophobia that is already embedded within us. Whether it be from people say from, you know, Africa, no one is gay, which is not true. Or people say that, you know, homosexuality is learned and learned behavior that stems from uh, American slavery or white colonialism, which is also not true even though there was a certain level of rape that went on, specifically in the Caribbean. But and in some cases, of historical cases, they say that it's here. It was here in the U.S. And this is why homophobia, homophobia is so embedded within the Black community. Instead of just, you know, talking to me about normal, like, you know, I'm having a conversation about my, you know, partner and different things. And just as a normal human being, a normal relationship that you would have and just mentioning a, a partnership, you're focusing only on the heterosexual versus homosexual aspect and give me giving me your advice unwarranted that, I, that advice, I did not ask for. Unwarranted advice that <laughs> I'm just like, do you think they captain save a homo? Like, <laughs> let me good. let me save you because obviously you've you've been going through your 20 plus years of life mm -hmm. and before you found me <laughs> me your save a homo you had no clue how to live life so i'm gonna give you my advice on how to live your life because without me girl you lost you lost <laughs> like i feel like that's what they like in their subconscious, that's what they think that they're doing. Like, thank you. Thank you for your advice. I had no clue on what to do. Thank you so much. You straight person. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> like, you, you don't think I've been struggling with this? Not on my own volition. It's not me struggling. It's y'all causing the struggle to become on me. Because if you all accepted me for who I was, and my lifestyle, I'm putting quotation mark, lifestyle's choice, which is not a choice. <laughs> um, I wouldn't have to go through this. If you all accepted me and fully, like, you go to San Francisco, people are just gay. <laughs> like, it's not a whole thing where it's like, oh my God, I'm coming out. Because I have a mentor and he was telling me, he was just like, yeah, if you're gay in San Francisco, it's no big deal. Because he was born and raised there. It's no big deal. Nobody thinks nothing of it. Like, if you get bullied, it's not because you're gay. It's because you walk a little weird or something. And that'll probably stop because, you know, try to have the acceptance part of it. Ableism. Yeah. Like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> so it's like you guys make us feel weird and different. And you all make us feel like we have to struggle. And this is a struggle to go through and pray it away. But if you all treated us like human beings, this would not be a struggle. <laughs> this would just be us living our normal lives. And you all happen to be straight. We happen to be gay. 
And that's it. So, it's my little spiel on it. You can go ahead, speech. You know, I I just come to the realization that, and even though you kind of you kind of know this, right? That systems of oppression are manifest not only in institutions, not societally, but on an individual level. And I think that often people forget this because we're so focused, specifically, I'm only talking about the Black community, on systems of oppression restricting us on the the institutional level, restricting us from certain areas. But we forget that oppression doesn't only mean race. It doesn't only mean, I guess, like because of your age or, you know, colorism, that it extends to all identities. Whether we realize it or not, society assigns us our social identities outside of how we just see ourselves. Of course, that's, that's only natural. I mean, animals do that. And within, this, within your status, which depends on how the dominant group sees us, what is normal, what is deemed normal, and what is not normal is, is determined and set by the tone of the hegemony. So this is a, this spectrum that it kind of sets and how close we are to that normality can either limit us or become advantageous. And so you're probably asking, what does this mean in layman's terms? Now, as we know, the fact that we have to make a whole separate group called the LGBTQ plus means that this is another subgroup. And this is another sub subgroup. Why? It's a subgroup because people who are heterosexual force people into these spaces where they have to be around themselves in order to be respected, to be normalized, to be accepted, to be seen as human, to be seen as, as just like, you know, just. Yeah. Just seen as regular people. Just to be seen. Exactly. Like if I were to go to a, a chiropractor and they are of the LGBTQ plus, or maybe they're just allies. And I mentioned, hey, you know, my partner is going to come in. They're not going to just make a face or be like, you know, like that is unacceptable. When I speak about, you know, hey, just mention, yeah, some of my stress goes from this. They're not going to say, well, here's what it is. You got to choose between your family and choose between, uh, you know, this lifestyle that you're living. The nerve. And you have to, <laughs> and then also... You got to pray to God to see whether this lifestyle is right or wrong. And then even though you prayed to God, you might want to pray again because what that could have been, that could have actually been the devil. So you don't really know. It could have been weird because <laughs> it could have been something she else. did say she did say she was just like when people talk about. I, I got revealed after telling me, you know, you need to like maybe talk to God and pray to God as if I didn't do like, that already. You're her, remember, you're the, um, she's saving you. So yeah, she's you need saving to listen. me. She's your, she's your savior. That's true. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. I'm listening because I'm used to these kind of talks when I mention, uh, you know, that I have a partner or that I am queer. So I'm used to these talks and they, and then she was just like, Oh, well, Sometimes when when people are just like, oh, well, something was revealed to me. The spirit talked to me. The spirit did this. The spirit made me get dressed and got me up today. Like, you got to stay away from that. 
And so I'm just like, okay, so you want me to talk to God about discernment, which you don't even know how many years, of course, being a Muslim and being queer, like my whole life, and I'm a religious Muslim, okay? Despite my queerness, I am very orthodox. I am very bent on rituals. I enjoy being a Muslim, but sometimes it is hard being in a religious community that forces you to to denounce this side of you that you deem like it's natural to you. You were born this way. But they're telling you that you're an abomination and everything. Just putting that in your mindset that you're going to hell. You're an abomination. This doesn't, this doesn't exist. The community you and cannot the culture. be Muslim. And the culture. The community and the culture does that. Yes. Because God can bring you a thousand signs, but because they didn't see it, even though religion is so, like, it's not all about the tangible, obviously. But if they didn't see it and they don't believe it, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Nope. That's not true. The spirit, yeah, yeah. the spirit is lying because <laughs> you didn't go to my spirit because my spirit said this and your spirit saying something else. And the doctrine is this and that. I'm just like, you know, like a lot of people in religion, they kind of they kind of focus their studies on things that affect them and things that affect those around them. And for whatever they don't deem as acceptable behavior to them, they don't even study it specifically with Islam. So. You know, they have hadiths and stuff. Some hadiths are weak. Some are, like, are authentic and strong chains. But they, a lot of people who are scholars look into things that, you know, for instance, because men and patriarchal figures are very predominant, are very dominant groups within this religion, just like a lot of Abrahamic religions. They kind of focus on things that may affect men and may uh, maximize or expand the power of men. So, you know, they're going to find, you know, ins and outs. And, and you know, me and Siege talk about that. Maybe that could be a different uh, a different kind of show, you know, like or a different kind of episode, different season. But just to talk about this is, you know, like it's just like I, I realized that I had to have a double consciousness. And I'm coming to realize and coming to the terms that it is so hurtful to enter black spaces understanding that if I express who I truly am without hurting people, just just casually talking about, you know, hey, this is my partner and, and um, or anything, I know that there's going to be a certain level of heterosexual speak, um, explaining. I know there's going to be a certain level of ostracization. I know there's going to be a certain level of disrespect, transgressing things. And it's very hurtful being a person that wants to be pro-black and everything and having to deal with that. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, um, many queer black people in the past have had to deal with the double consciousness as well, too. Once you admit who you are and it doesn't disrespect anyone else, but because we have a certain level of homophobia, it just means that, hey, you're not going to be accepted. You're not going to be uh, respectable. And you're not going to, what you say certain things, especially dealing with religious uh, groups, you're not going to be deemed as valid. And as we know, Black people are very religious. So it's, it's sort of just like, uh, um, for the most part, generalizing, it's sort of like a one and done deal. Even if you are not religious, you still uphold Christian values, Muslim values. And so things that were forbidden, and even though it may be it may be based in religious doctrine, even though you don't abide by that, because somebody said that to me, I'm atheist, but I still, like, this was a pedophile who said this to me, 
Okay, this was a known pedophile. Mm. He and he also cheated consistently on this fiance that he had for about ten years. Consistently, and he's crippled, and his fiance takes care of him financially, everything. Like she is practically like a mother, a wife, a everything. Tell me how he got crippled. Okay, he got crippled. He got crippled because he fought over a, a spot in line at McDonald's. Mm. <laughs> so that's how he got crippled. But before then, he was, you know, living a lifestyle that we know that wasn't that, you know, to the Christian doctrines is not we deem is not the best, but it's acceptable by society. So people are not going to paint it bad against him. Right. Basically, he did some illegal stuff like touched kids and everything, rape, everything. Okay. Terrible person. And so he is, uh, yeah, and um, he take, he doesn't take care of his daughter, you know, like, skip out on child support, but pay $600 in phone apps. But talk about, I'm not paying child support, and it was only like $100 a month. And then have his mother, you know, constantly fight his battles and stuff. Like, it was horrible, you know? Like, he he's a man that is very, I think, very complicated. With my relationship with him is very complicated in a sense that uh, he's unreliable. So it's not that just he does his things. It's just like his character is not good. It's not best. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so the thing about it is that he's saying that he's an atheist, but he's just like, but, you know, homosexuals and lesbians are just like bad people. And it's just like, who are you to speak when you actually hurt people? Like, you're talking about what people do behind closed doors. You're talking about people who have adult consensual relationships. And you up there hurt the people around you consistently. And then you're self-righteous and justified in these behaviors. And you have the right to, to, to speak about people that do not hurt people. Like, you hurt people. Ugh, it's like Hitler saying, he's like, we're gonna drive all the homosexuals and, and Jewish people and gypsies to jail on the account of the identities. But you're up there freaking gassing, you know, leading a whole freaking alt-right movement to, uh, to displace people and everything, but, you know, like, you have, because you're the dominant group, you have the right to oppress people. And that's what I think that oppressed people, oppressed people, dominant people, oppressed people, and oppressed people, oppressed people. Because black people know what it feels like to be oppressed. But they mm -hmm. can't they can't understand how people can be oppressed outside of their racial identity. Some of them can't even understand how people could be oppressed on the basis of colorism. People will be oppressed on the basis of gender. Mm. Speak it. But you want people to respect you. Mm. As a person, because of your skin color, where you can't even respect people on the count of who they were born to be. Mm. So that's the thing that is very hurtful, that when entering black spaces, because of my intersectionality with being Muslim, with being queer, and being a black, black woman. A black cis woman. A black cis woman. I, you can't even speak on the tr trans community. Yes. how they are just totally treated horribly and reduced to prostitution, especially if they're transitioning from um, men to trans women. It's terrible. Oh, let me get on that, okay? Quick aside. 
I have a story for that. I was raised in a very religious household, very orthodox. Um, the office that I was working at when I was a, a, a younger lad in college, a wee lad, a wee lad, <laughs> was very equally black and religious. Now, this person came in because they wanted to work. And this is like, this is, I want to say an MLM, but basically anybody can, can get a shot. This is a, this is a company that's just like, this opportunity is for everyone, but not everybody's fit for the opportunity. And here's how I see how hypocritical this statement was, because when this trans, black trans woman came in and they presented themselves as a woman, they referred to themselves as a woman. They had a partner and everything. And they were just like, you know, I'm looking for an opportunity. Someone brought this opportunity. And I'm really interested. Very happy, go lucky, just bubbly woman. Right. But because they appeared to be very masculine and people knew that they were born a male. They isolated them. And I noticed the whole change in the office. Like, I felt the atmosphere, the environment change. Like, people were disgusted. How can you walk through this office? So, me being me, out of pity, and not actually... I could I could actually, like, in retrospect, see that during that time, I had a lot of transphobia. And I have to continue to untrain myself to transphobia because that's a natural thing that many people are inclined to through a religious and uh, racial, a certain racial minorities and, and certain religious groups are inclined to mm-hmm. different phobias. Same for me as well. Yes. I have to untrain myself. Speci- yeah, exactly. Specific to sexual identities trans and gender. to be very like unnatural and weird. And, and just set, it's just based off of sex. You look, sexual and gender identities are something that's a touchy subject to, to black people and to religious people. Mm-hmm. So... I went over there out of pity and not actually because I saw the humanity, but I was just like, you are, you're, yes, you are a human, but obviously you are different. And I don't want you to feel like, you know, like this environment is hostile. So I started talking and they referred to themselves as a woman and everything. And I was just like, you know, whatever. It was very dismissive, but it was just like, I am going to be nice to you anyway, you know? So afterwards I was just like, wow, this person seems kind of nice and everything. And the person was just like, throw the application away. Throw it away. You know, like, they're obviously crazy. We don't want you here. This is why we have an LGBTQ plus community. And still in that, because trans people are minorities, LGBTQ plus people still discount their stories still hurt them specifically amongst trans women because in the society we favor masculine presentation and masculinity over femininity and as even as females and as women we have to also unlearn um misogynoir misogyny internalized misogyny Mm -hmm. so for you to reduce yourself to femininity especially no that doesn't that's not gonna fly so it kind of hurts me, and it, it, I, I thought about that today because I was just like, whoa. They literally discounted this person on the fact that they are a trans woman. 
not knowing whether they're capable of bringing any business or anything at the fact that because they look like that, you cannot be a part of my office. And they could, they could do that. They'll probably blame it on something else. They'll probably say that it was because of, you know, like we're just, you know, whatever, whatever justification excuse. But this is why a lot of trans people have to get into sex work because people don't see the validity in, in them because they're so focused on their identity and they wonder, oh my God, trans people are so sexual. They're just whores or just this, not knowing that they are limiting their amount of opportunity because they are trans they do that within their lives and they're just institutions that make their lives worse and that's exactly what they do to people of lgbtq plus things and then wonder why the lgbtq um, community is so powerful this entity that has this gay agenda we're all trying to make everybody gay (laughs) because two dudes kissed on their abc programming channel that is supposed to be traditional (laughs) exactly oh my grandma's gonna be gay now (laughs) or all the children are gonna be gay and it's just like you know the reason why the lgbtq community just like the just like black people had a name in the community is the same reason why Asian people have to have, or East Asians have to have their own community, the same reason why Jewish people have to have their own community. When there is exclusivity, there lies community on the exclusivity. Mm. And certain people are just treated worse in the society. Truth. I also have to come to the realization that really hurted me. Even though there's there's, uh, people in my family that I'm open to, I'm out to, and they, they, you know, they claim they they love me and everything. And I'm sure that they do. It's just like, uh, as my, as my, um, chiropractor said, well, at least they're letting her come to your house. Yo, I have, yeah. Woo! At least they didn't kick you out. At least they're still giving you shelter. Thanks for the basic human decency. At least they give you food. Oh, wow. I'm reduced to a dog. <laughs> like, wow. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for basic human rights. I appreciate it. <laughs> I think that's what a lot of Black people miss is that, you know, um, in the 80s, after a lot of Black people got in their rights in the 60s and 70s, what ended up happening is that there was a resurgence of conservatism. It never died, but the thing about it is that they were just like, at least you have, at least you can vote. Okay. At least you're in the U S the most powerfulest country. It's just like when you use at least <laughs> you're giving me the bare minimum of what should be acceptable. And telling me to accept it. And telling me to accept the bare bones. Why is it that you are allowed to have, you are entitled to a certain level of respect, a certain level of of basic kindness, like your family's love. But then you're out, out of one breath, you're entitled to that. And then telling me that at least they didn't kick you out. When you feel like if you're talking to any other normal person that is going through problems, you would never let them choose between your family's love and home and shelter. and whatever their problem their problem is 
you would expect the person to to just say, okay, in time, they just have to take their time. They have to, have to be patient and everything like that. And, you know, you have to get to the level where you're you're personally developed to, to not even care. But, you know, like people are more willing to talk, talk some confidence into you and not give you an ultimatum. And so... What I find is that the the people that were allies that I I thought that were allies like my father or my aunt or something, um, they really didn't really care about me. And here's why, okay? Some people are just like, well, at least at least you know they're not denying it. Really, well, thank you for the doggy bone. <laughs> and here's why I'm saying this, okay? Now, my father has done some shady stuff. And he has gotten on the bad side of my mother. When he was on the bad side of my mother, because of the account of him doing shady stuff that hurt people, he was like, I accept you. Because we're all not perfect. First of all, you're comparing me to whatever transgressions that you've done that actually hurt people. We are not the same. Okay. Then when he's on the good side or the better side of my mother, when I'm having a conversation about things and we have a household that we all contribute to, it's not just like, oh, one, you know, this is a family house. Which I was pay bought bills. on the pretense that we all are equal. Keep that in mind. Exactly. Because of that. And we're all adults and we all give money. We all have, you know, decisions and everything. I just thought that you know, for Ramadan, maybe my partner can come over. My partner is a Muslim, a newly converted Muslim, and I want her, and she wants to be in an Islamic environment because her mother is not quite comfortable yet with being Muslim. And so any expression, our outward expression of, you know, any outward Islamic expression would be met with some uncomfortability and some unnecessary confrontation that she is not ready to embark on. You know, this is a journey of acceptance because being a Muslim in a society is also uh, something that's un unwarded of, of a lot of advice, same kind of thing. So my, my, my mother is very religious and normally under these circumstances, they would be like, oh, open arms and everything, right? But when having this conversation and they're just like, you have to sleep in a se separate bed, you know, separate cover, everything, right? Just making these things. My father was no longer an ally. Nope. And left me by myself. My aunt, I asked her for help. Can you, you know, not to get in the middle of this, but because my, my mother said that the house has to make a decision. If the house makes a decision and asking, we're not triangulating people, asking, do you agree with this? Now, they all left me by myself. And the only person that advocated was my sister and my, and my brother. The only people. And that's more than most people. Okay? Some people are all, all you know, by themselves. So I'm not ungrateful. I'm not, de I'm not depreciating that. But what I'm saying is that the people that were just like, I support you, I love you, it does not, it does not matter, are the same people that left me by myself when I needed their advocacy the most. Mm. And my aunt has consistently, you know, made comments just like, you know, if you probably would have gotten married early to a man, you would have probably had a normal life and not even, you know, even think about your sexuality. 
And that's very hurtful because, like, you know, like, if you listen more to me and understood where I'm coming from instead of just trying to jump in and exert, exert things based off of your knowledge, your, your little knowledge of me, you would understand that it was something that I realized since a very young age. And yes, she said that, I, yeah, you would have been more open to being with a man. That's, that's absolutely true. I would have been more open to getting married to, you know, a boy or whatever. But I realized at a very young age that I wasn't going to be in a relationship based off of love. Even if I was miserable, at least it is, I'm doing a religious duty. You would have been absolutely miserable. You, if you would have got married to a man, you would have been just reduced to like a housewife type of role, like feeding the kids, making dinner, like not saying that you would have been happy in that, but the wholeness of it is is not based on love. And it's just like, okay, I'm doing this because it's my duty, but not really more than that. And you'll eventually grow to love that person, but it just wouldn't have been the same. But growing to love the person is better than being in a in a gay relationship. According to people. According to people. You, you be miserable for 15 years, <laughs> and then eventually you, you'll love him. <laughs> it's been 20 years, I still don't love him. I love him as a person, but... Uh, well... It's okay. <laughs> At least you have a man. At least. And it's very hurtful because in one breath, you're saying to my partner, thank you for loving her. And on the other hand, you're just like, well, if this doesn't work out, maybe you could find a man that you actually love. Mm. Because that's been said to me. That's been said to me. Or one of the speeches that, you know, you're... you're your child needs a father. So with the sperm donor, you have to have that man in his life or her life because mm -hmm. they're going to have questions. And I'm just like, well, maybe, you know, with time I can communicate things to them. No, they need they need that. Or going back, like, first off, they're not even assuming, like, you've had heterosexual relationships. They're just discounting all of that. And because you're with a woman, it's just like, maybe you'll find another one. Like, you were in a heterosexual relationship, correct? I've been, the majority of my life, I've been in heterosexual relationships. You've only been in, like, two gay relationships? Yeah. So, it's just like, oh, maybe you just haven't found the one yet. <laughs> Do you say that to other people who get married at 17 and 18? Have you found the one? No, this is this, <laughs> this is, is the person for this you. This is your person. How about it's like, ah, uh, go find some more people. That might not be it. You're too young. But it's like, no, that's your soulmate right there. Mm-hmm. But then that soulmate consistently cheats on you for the next 25 years. And makes a baby. And okay. makes more babies <laughs> than the ones they have with you. And then constantly puts the family in financial ruins multiple times. <laughs> And could possibly give you diseases. And while your father is dying, goes to another country's and impregnates some woman. But, you know, soulmates, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's your person. 
Oh, well. But at least you're with a man. At least you're with a man. Even though I have a healthy relationship. And you you see it. You admit it. We I've been with my partner for you know a couple of years now. And we're people that constantly try to work on ourselves. And it's a healthy... I can honestly say it's a very healthy relationship. Something that I never thought that I could ever experience. Due to the relationships around me. The heterosexual relationships as well too. Around me. Where there's a constant element of push and pull. And I know... At least they're long-lasting. At least they're long-lasting. A long-lasting, a, unhealthy relationship. Unhealthy relationship. You know, like, toxic for life. And, Woo, you know... Loyal. Yeah, so it's just... It's, it's, sort, it's sort of like that. You know, be loyal to this, whatever, but at least you're in a heterosexual relationship. And so it's recognized by God, even though, you, you know, that relationship may be hurting those around you, hurting you. Um... And like I said, it's based off of religious doctrine, but I also acknowledge that a lot of the religious doctrine may not, from an Islamic perspective, may not be interpreted from a mindset that is objective or unbiased. Because I noticed that some of the things that were law and I thought that was a general thing to believe that was associated with orthodoxy has changed in some years, just because they're just like, well, we got to keep up with society. But because an orthodox man, uh, orthodox tra- traditional man said, okay, now it's the go ahead. Okay, now men don't really necessarily have to be the maintainers of the household because now women have the have the ability to uh, provide as well, too. So men don't have to be the breadwinners. Now women could be responsible for themselves to take the burden off of men. I'm just like, okay, so when it affects men, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a disservice to them, then the laws change. Okay, music, for example, in my, in, in, in my sect of Islam, is considered forbidden. It is considered not good for a Muslim. You can't be a Muslim and listen to music. But the moment you say that to my community, who... Is who are black and Caribbean, right? Or black Caribbeans. It's just, it's a problem. And then the religious authority is saying, no, actually I researched this. And even though it may not be looked down in some societies, it is not forbidden. It is just that this is our culture. So the religious doctrine can be interpreted to sway things in your favor except when it has nothing to do with you Mm. and so that's really hurtful because it's just like okay can you look into this can you look into see to see if this is good or not no no that is what it is it is what it is all this over here can be interpreted the way you want but that set in stone like, I, I told my mom, I was just like, did you actually read the story of Lot? It's like, no, we're not talking about the story of Lot. I'm just like, we, th- like, this whole thing is because of the story of Lot. Do you understand what actually went on in that story? It was a story of rape. Okay? And even says in one of the hadiths that it wasn't, like, in the hadiths are the tradition of the prophet, you know, what, what they said during that time. And it said that, it was off of miserliness, and the sex was not with uh, with sensuality. It was purely rape. 
That's what they said in the hadith. It was nothing prison. sensual. That's what they do in prison. So I don't get how does this relate. And of course, this is Islamic doctrine. How people just interpreted it to a relationship with two consensual adults. And they're just like, well, it says man and woman in the Quran. It says many things. That once you inter- once you start to read it, and then it's up to an interpretation of the pre because pre- it also says that in one part of the Quran we can we created you from different communities and different uh different different uh, genders and some of which you do not know. How come that verse is not looked into? We created you of all communities, tribes, and languages and colors, and of pairs uh, of pairs of genders, and some of which you do not know. What is what does that mean? I didn't see any tough stare on that. No one actually. I didn't see anything. And if it is something, then it's based off of you know people from other countries who live in patriarchal societies. I also heard in Islamic doctrine that women are more likely to be in hell. And when I look, and I'm just like, okay, well, is it is it because like women outnumber men? I look at the statistics. Women don't outnumber men. And some of the most heinous crimes I I hear is is committed by men. So why is it that women are more likely to end up in hell than men? Mm. Why is it that men when they die they get different? They get seventy two versions, and <laughs> women only get one. What if a woman wants seventy? What if their heaven is with seventy two version man or men or women or whatever? <laughs> Speech on it, you know. What if my heaven is to be with a be with a woman? Where's my seventy two women virgin? Oh, no. Exactly. Look, se- look, half of them be men, half of them be women. You don't know. Yeah, like what? What is my heaven? But if I said, okay, what if? Because I wanted to ask that. I was like, what? If, what if I don't want a male pair in heaven, <laughs> my male counterpart in heaven? What if I want a woman in heaven? What if I, like, I sacrificed everything, I'm, I stopped being gay, I turned myself to God, and you give me a man, and I don't want that. Like, isn't heaven supposed to be what your you want. heaven? Like, exactly what you want and your desires. Like, I didn't desire that. What <laughs> if a man doesn't want 72 virgins? Maybe, maybe he's just like, you know, either he's gay or... He's just like, hey, I listen. I'm I have a low sex drive, so just thinking about seventy two versions is so <laughs> overwhelming to me. Like our brother, <laughs> yeah, like our brother. He, I, my brother, I'm pretty sure he does not want seventy two versions. Maybe one or maybe two to feed him grapes, and the other one to fan him. Okay, because he just wants to. He wants to chill. Okay, but that concept of what they're presenting us is. From a hypersexual male thing. Mm-hmm. From a woman who they consider to be their norm. A woman who is just like, I just want one man and that's it. That's all my heaven is. Mm-hmm. So now yeah. you're trying to, now I get to heaven and what is supposed to be in favor for me? You're telling me I can't have on the account of your uncomfortability. I'm just thinking of my grandmother. You think... I think she would just want to be with her husband that passed, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like, she said after he died, like, I'm never going to be with anybody else. So, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe she won't want 72 virgins or whatever. 
if it was for women. I know it's not supposed to be for us, but no, because women women don't want to have. And we don't uh, have sex. Yeah. We don't have sex drives. <laughs> no. Because I'm just like in heaven. It's not the same. Like I can't get pregnant. Maybe I can imagine me pregnant if I really want to be a. a a mother in heaven, like I want that responsibility in heaven. <laughs> if you know, you have, other than if you that, have it's just like I don't. Heaven, you're gonna have baby angels, and those baby angels are gonna become babies on earth. Hallelujah! Exactly. It's just like <laughs> you know. So I'm just like our concept of like what's good on earth and stuff may not be the same as heaven, but they still want to assert their realities of what is best for us in our heaven Mm -hmm. and my heaven is not your heaven just like just like Lil Nas X touched on yep like I want to be in heaven with you yeah so like I said I am a religious person I am a Muslim that covers I am also queer and that does not it does not prevent me from wanting to have a closer relationship with God even though many people might speak onto that, I'm not trying to convince you that to see my, I'm not necessarily trying to convince you to see my humanity um, because I don't, I don't care about that. You know, what I do is, is my relationship with God. But what I can honestly say is that the more you isolate people on the account of their sexuality and weaponize religion against that, it ostracizes and takes people away from the religion. It makes them feel like I have no community. There is no solidarity with you. I prostrate with you. I pray with you every single day. And what I do and who I love has nothing to do with with my relationship with God. Okay? It has nothing to do with how I feel I'm going to get to heaven. Because you are a known adulterer. You are a known person to hurt people and just do erratic stuff and to be compared to you for a person who does not hurt another person who I am not raping anyone I am in a monogamous religious just relationship Mm -hmm. I am in a committed relationship who is healthy we care about each other that has nothing to do with my relationship with God and you interfering it. I don't want your unwarranted advice. I don't want I don't want you to give me an ultimatum in my in my own life talking about you got to choose between your family, you got to choose between God and yourself. I don't want that ultimatum. You wouldn't tell an interracial a person an interracial relationship. You got to choose between your family and 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 your relationship. Most people have an understanding nowadays that even though that wasn't acceptable back then and even though to many religious sectors and many religious uh, uh, scholars that interracial relationships are unnatural, specifically with black people, because they start talking about the tribes of Ham and Canaanites and and how black people are meant to be subjective, how we're not human and everything and, and back that up and justify it with religious doctrine being an interracial relationship and racial mixing is very impure. And it's against certain sectors of Islam. It's against uh, certain sectors of Christianity and certain religious thoughts. But you wouldn't tell nowadays because it's socially acceptable now. 
that you got to choose between your religion and interracial marriage. You wouldn't say you got to choose between the the love of your close knit family and your ma and your marriage. You, so, <laughs> so with all due respect, Miss Counselor, I came here for my back to be cracked and to feel better. <laughs> I did not come for your advice or any opinions about my life. I appreciate it, but no thank you. Stop being a fake ally. <laughs> Stop being a fake ally and you don't know what you're talking about. You don't educate yourself in anybody's anybody else's uh, life but people that are related to you. So you can't be an ally without understanding where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Is for that all those fake allies, whether you're my family or out, whether you try to give me advice because you want me to do better. If you don't understand where I'm coming from, if you never, you, you don't even know me. Um, if you don't look up uh, what happens to LGBTQ plus people and how they are represented, how they are ostracized. You don't understand anything, anything about that. Only about through your black uh, religious lens, then you are not an ally. Therefore, I don't need your support because your support is toxic. (laughs) I don't need your advice. I don't need your support because your support is based on a foundation that doesn't support my weight. Mm. You can't support me. on it. You can't support me. This has been Seesh. This has been Speech. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll put this on YouTube one day. Yeah. Anyways, thank you all. Goodbye. Peace. Peace. <laughs>